0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time to crank it up. Start your engine! For the next hour, the airwaves belong to you. Sit down, strap in, and let's head to WGR's Fast Track. All right, take a nice big breath, buddy. With your host. Let's go out there and have a good day. All right, bud. Dave Buchanan.
1: Simon Pagino trying to sweep the month of May and trying to go to eternal glory,
2: winning his first ever Indianapolis 500. But Rossi is right there. He looks to the inside. Pagino
0: is slipping all over, trying to irritate
2: that air. Now Alexander
0: Rossi to the outside. Pagino shuts the door and turn number three. Simon Paginot, two
2: colleagues in front of Alexander Rossi. Through the short shoot, Simon Paginot the lead tried to win from the pole. Take him home, Mark James. Paginot got a strong run for turn number four. He's going to pull away from Alexander Rossi. Simon Pagino sweeps the ball.
1: Good morning, race fans. Eleven oh three here on WGR Sports Radio five fifty, and welcome to another edition of WGR's Fast Track. And that's how you heard it here last Sunday on WGR's Mark James and the IMS Radio Network call home Simon Pagenaud to win the Indianapolis five hundred in a thrilling last uh, last couple of lap battle with former Indy five hundred winner Alexander Rossi, and Pagenaud gets his first ever win. In the Indy 500, his second of the month, as you heard uh, Mark James mention, sweeping the month because he won the uh, Indy Grand Prix just a couple of weeks earlier on the road course. And Roger Penske's 18th career Indianapolis 500 win, and what a race it was last Sunday at the Brickyard. Part of a jam-packed racing day last Sunday, along with the Monaco uh, Grand Prix of Monaco and the Coca-Cola 600, which is won by Martin Truex Jr., and uh, that's what we're talking about here this morning on WGR's Fast Track. Phones li- phone lines are open 803 0551 888 550 Really, Really just simple this morning. Your thoughts on the racing last weekend, including that thrilling race at India, another classic. Uh, At the Brickyard between uh, Pagano and Rossi there in the final 20 laps. And the drama and the emotion out of Alexander Rossi. uh, What a a great race it was. We've also got lots going on this weekend, racing-wise, going on as well, too. Not just talk about last weekend, but, of course, IndyCar, as always, right out of Indianapolis. They head to Detroit, and uh, they're on the track right now in Detroit for qualifying for today's uh, second half of the duel at Detroit. They ran yesterday in the rain. Uh, for most of the day at Detroit with uh, Joseph Newgarden coming out on top over Alexander Rossi, the, the heavy rains that we got late in the afternoon, early evening yesterday, that went through Detroit earlier in the day, soaked things up in Belle Isle, and they started the rain in the wet, and it eventually dried out a little bit, but uh, they ran the race in mostly wet condition yesterday. Today it's uh, sunny there in Detroit, it looks like, and uh, actually qualifying is going on right now. I got it on here in the studio, and uh, they'll be racing later today, so again, that uh, huge swing uh, in the IndyCar season, the double points race at the Brickyard at the Indy 500 and then the two uh, races at Detroit the week after such a swing in the IndyCar season really can make or break a driver's run for the championship. And Alexander Rossi now with two second place finishes between last Sunday and yesterday uh, looking to uh, continue that run. But uh, what a great race. Uh, again, 803-0550. Coming up on today's program, along with talking about the Indy 500 and the Coke 600 last week, uh, as I said, IndyCar in action at Detroit and NASCAR in action in Pocono. Is Speaking of weather, threats of weather, there always seems to be that in Pocono, Pennsylvania. And uh, Pocono 400 today, and you can hear it right here on WGR, coming up uh, with coverage at 1 o'clock this afternoon. And Dylan Welch from the Motor Racing Network is going to join us in less than 10 minutes here on the program to talk about uh, the race today at Pocono. He was in Indianapolis actually for the 500. We can talk to him about that too, and uh, we'll talk. So we'll talk to Dylan from the Motor Racing Network as they'll have live flag-to-flag coverage. Green flag coming up just after two o'clock this afternoon. NASCAR already announcing that there will be a uh, competition caution for today's uh, race at Pocono, but because of the weather that has uh, you know rolled through the area, um, so they'll have a competition caution. William Byron on the pole for today's race. And, uh, of course, figures, I just had the uh, lineup here in front of me, and now it has disappeared off my computer. Uh, there we go. Byron on the pole. Uh, Kyle Bush will share the front row with him. Clint Boyer, Eric Jones in row two. Brad Keselowski, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson, Jimmy Johnson, Daniel Suarez, and Austin Dillon, your top ten starters uh, today at Pocono for the Pocono 400. So, again, we'll talk to Dylan Welch in less than ten minutes about that. But back to the 80-500, and uh, what a phenomenal race again, as I've not shied away from, was pulling for Rossi to win it uh, last week. And uh, he had a shot there at the end, and um, unfortunately Pagino passed him with two to go, and I thought maybe it would be kind of... Like we've seen in other Indy 500s, where it's kind of back and forth in those last few laps, and maybe the guy leading with uh, on the last lap gets passed. But p- Pagano was a- able to stay away from Rossi, and you heard in the clip there he was weaving and, and keeping uh, Rossi at bay to avoid Pagano or Rossi from p- pulling uh, some kind of a slingshot pass on him, and Pagano was able to hold on. But uh, what a wild final 20 laps! You had you know Rossi take the lead with 20 to go, and then there was the caution for the or. Uh, there was a the caution for the big wreck with Ray Hall and Bourdais, and then you had Graham Ray Hall uh, getting uh, in the face of Bourdais there after those two tangled and set off the uh, the biggest crash of the afternoon, and set up that last fourteen minute, or fourteen lap dash to the checkers with uh, Pagano taking the lead as they went back to green, and then or Rossi, excuse me, I'm getting my uh, uh, drivers back and forth here. Pagano had the lead when they went back to green. Sorry, and then Pagano. Gave it up to Rossi with two to go, and then uh, Pagano coming to the uh, final lap. Pagano stole it from Rossi to steal the win. But uh, what a day for Rossi! I mean, looked was in contention right from the beginning. Although Pagano, you know, dominated early on in the event. Uh, You could tell Rossi was going to be in the hunt, but then they had that fueling issue on pit road, and you thought, oh no, that might be that might do him in. Of course, you know, where they had the fueling issues and the bad pit stop, but luckily he got a caution, I believe, right around when that happened, was able to stay in contention for the race. And then uh, the incident with Servia, with about 45 laps to go, Oriel Servia, Rossi was trying to pass him down the front straightaway. Servia put a block on him, and and as Rossi tried to pass him on the very inside, alongside the inside pit wall, and Servia threw the block, and then Rossi is angrily gesturing at... um, at, at Servia, as he goes by him down the front straightaway, it was a that was a crazy scene to see. Just Rossi shaking his fist at Servia as he went by, and that little feud continued onto social media this week too. As uh, Rossi had a, a nice tweet. Uh, of course, Servia's quote unquote day job. He's not a full time driver in the IndyCar series. He was picked up a ride for the 500, but at any other IndyCar event, his job is pace car driver. Believe it or not, and. uh Rossi's tweet was something to the effect of, you know, it's a good thing Servia being so good at the pace car driver because he has a, a, such a, he does such a great job at blocking the leader or, or something to the effect of that. And uh, Servia had a nice response to that, too. But a uh, nice little back and forth between those guys on, on Twitter during the week. But uh, Rossi was uh, none too pleased with Servia's actions there down the front row. I think even Rossi might have thought Servia was a lap down at at the time. But, uh, in fact, he wasn't. That was a pass for a position. And uh, so that held up Rossi briefly. But, luckily, uh, he was able to make up from that and still be in the fight there at the finish with Pagino. But but uh, Pagino, again, picking up the win. Uh, Rossi finishing second. Takuma Sato finishing third. And uh, the, just like Rossi, back-to-back second-place finishes, Sato has back-to-back third-place finishes because he played third placed third yesterday at Belle Isle as well. So a nice couple of points races for Sato, too. Joseph Newgarden finishing fourth. Will Power uh, rounding out the top five. So Penske had three cars uh, in the top five on Sunday. Rookie Santino Ferrucci was the rookie of the race. He finished seventh. Ryan Hunter Ray eighth. Connaught, Tony Cannot ninth. T- uh, Connor Daly rounded out the top ten. James Hinchcliffe uh, finishing in 11th. Not much, uh, not much of a factor, really, in the race, but uh, still a... Uh, picking up a lot of positions from his 30-second starting spot. Uh, other notable names in the field, uh, Scott Dixon, uh, not a great day, finishing 17th. Elio Castro Neves, he was involved in a pit road incident, uh, finishing 18th one lap down. Um, Mar- uh, Marcus Erickson had his incident on Pit Road as well, too, 23rd. Marco Andretti, what a, unfortunately, what a disappointment. He was not in it from the get-go. He quickly went a lap or two down. It was not a factor. They had some issues uh, all day long. It was disappointing that he was not much of a factor in the race, so he placed in 26th, five laps down, but did finish the race. And then you have Ray Hall, who was in that late-race crash with Bourdais. He finished 27th. Uh, also involved in that were Rosenquist, uh, Felix Rosenquist, Zach Feach, and Bourdais. And then uh, Colton Herta, another disappointment from a driver that uh, thought might be a factor. Started in fifth, but unfortunately, he quickly developed mechanical issues. Just laps into the race, lap three, he dropped out, and was he brought out that first caution of the race. And so Herta was a bit of a disappointment too. So some of the stories you know, that we had talked about, especially the Herda and with, with the rookie class. You know, the, the rookies weren't really much of a factor as, uh, you know, Rosenquist and Erickson both did not finish the race. Did, same with Herda and Ben Hanley. You know, Ferrucci was the only rookie to uh, finish the race, and he finished in seventh, but really the rookie class wasn't much of a factor. And then you had Andretti, uh, who we thought maybe, um, you know, would be a, a factor, and unfortunately for him. Uh, was not uh, in the end, as, again, he had his issues all day long. But you, you look at the finishing results, too, a nice mix between the Chevrolets and the Hondas. Everybody thought, everybody's talked about the power of the Chevrolets coming out of qualifying, but there was a lot of talk about the Hondas were much better uh, in, in in lap traffic and in race traffic. And that really showed with what Rossi could do uh, working his way uh, through the field and shelling Paginot for the win, but you had a nice balance at, at, at the top of the results with, uh, you know, three, the three Penske Chevys finishing up front. And then you had the Andretti Honda for Rossi and the uh, Ray Hall, uh, Letterman Lanigan racing car of Sato. They're all placing in the top five. And then you even had uh, carpenter in sixth, uh, in a Chevrolet and then Ferrucci and Hunter Ray and Daly and Hondas and Canon in a Chevrolet. So pretty much a, an even split uh, between the two uh, engine manufacturers there in the top 10. So really kind of balanced out. And uh, although, as I said, Pagnot did lead most of the day, uh, there was still some good action throughout the field. And again, that great battle for the win. You get 803 5 And then yesterday, as I said, Joseph Newgarden picking up the win. He had to hold off Alexander Rossi. Again, a Penske car holding off Rossi for the second race in a row as uh, Rossi tried to chase down Newgarden in the closing laps but uh, really didn't get a chance to make a pass for the win. So Newgarden picked up the win over Rossi. As I said, Sato finishing third. Rosenquist bouncing back to finish fourth. Uh, Hunter Ray rounding out the top five yesterday at Detroit. Then Pagino, Hall, Zach Veach, Hinchcliffe, and Spencer Piggott Round out the top five, uh, top 10 at Detroit yesterday. Uh, Bourdais finishing in 11th. Uh, Marco Andrade, another disappointing day in 16th. Will Power and Scott Dixon both crashed out of the race. Dick, uh, Power in 18th, and Dixon finished last in 22nd, so real bad days. Uh, for those two former uh, champions and Indy 500 winners yesterday at Detroit. And again, they are in qualifying as we speak at Belle Isle, uh, setting the field for uh, today's uh, second half of the Detroit doubleheader. With that, though, we're going to switch gears and go to the Western Hotline and bring in from the Motor Racing Network reporter Dylan Welch joins us on the line. Dylan, it's Dave Buchanan here in Buffalo. Good morning.
2: Hey, Dave. How are
1: you? Doing great. Uh, f- great to finally get you on the show. We, we get a lot of folks from MRN, MRN here on the program, and I think it's our first chance to talk to you. You are, of course, in Long Pond, Pennsylvania for today's race at Pocono, and how are things shaping up today at the Tricky Triangle?
2: Well, it's, it's going to be interesting. You know, The biggest concern so far today has been the weather. Uh, because Shocking. Is, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. there's uh, There's weather in the area, but it's uh, it's beginning to look a little more promising than it was maybe early in the week. So, um, so that's good, but uh, otherwise just excited to go for, uh, for 400 miles here at Pocono and, um, you know, kind of walking through the garage and talking to some of the crew chiefs this morning, I think maybe the consensus is is that they don't even know exactly what to expect today, which um, is something we've kind of seen a handful of times already this year with this new package that the, the cup cars are utilizing. So, Uh, Should be a fun day and uh, excited to get going here in just
1: a little bit. Uh, Dylan, William Byron on the poll today and really kind of continues this kind of uh, early season improvement out of Hendrick Motorsports. They've had some good finishes, some drivers finishing up front here in the last few races. You know, Chase Elliott's got a win this year. What have you seen out of the Hendrick camp so far this season? They've been strong, especially with some qualifying performances lately, but they're also getting some finishes, too, that are showing that they're trying to turn the ship around there.
2: Yeah, and I think that's exactly it. They, <clears throat> excuse me. They, uh, you know, they've shown speed with, with their qualifying, and, and William Byron's been on the front row. I think, uh, I think six times already this year. So uh, they've obviously got speed. You know, Chase has, has won this year, and um, I think you know Jimmy and Alex. You know, Alex has has finished finished second three weekends in a row, and Jimmy has just kind of been slowly kind of chipping away at it too, and and getting up to speed with with his other teammates. So. Um, I think that they're definitely improving, you know, and, and keep in mind, you know, it's still early on in the season. So um, everybody is still kind of learning this new package and, and Hendrick, especially, you know, is is uh, maybe taking a little longer than I'm sure they had hoped to, to come to grips with everything that they need to, to make their cars go fast. But I think the numbers don't lie and the results don't lie when you look at them that um, as a group, you know, c- collectively, I think that the uh, you know, they can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel and they are improving each week and, um, the finishes will come with that. You know, the, mm. the more the more consistently they start to run up front, uh, you know, every weekend, then obviously that's going to parlay better into the finishing results. But they've shown speed; they have speed. Uh, now it's just kind of a matter of, of putting a whole race together and, and getting the finishes that they probably deserve.
1: Yeah, we talk about uh, the new arrow package as you mentioned there off the bat, Dylan. Uh, what do you what do you think we can maybe see that we don't? Uh that we haven't seen maybe at some of the other tracks this year, do you do you see particularly the draft becoming even more of a factor like it has a little bit at the mile-and-a-half tracks? Um, I, I don't know, is, is shifting an option for some of these guys today? What, what do you think? It, as uh, I know still a lot of questions to be answered because we haven't seen this in race conditions, but will we see some maybe outside-of-the-box uh, tactics by anybody today?
2: Well, and the shifting aspect has been, uh, has been in the, the media quite a bit this weekend because you can't shift uh, just because of how the the motors and the the power band and everything in the motor is. So um, that has been an interesting uh, topic of discussion. And there have been a couple drivers that have been more vocal about it than others. But in the past, that's something that we have seen, you know, become a big factor. And and today it's not really going to to be as much that way. Um, You know, it's going to be interesting. I think that the big thing too is because track position is going to be so important today. uh, that it's going to, come into the hands of the crew chiefs and the pit crews a lot too because uh you need track position so the strategy aspect comes into play when you're deciding you know when you pit if you want to do two tires or four tires Mm -hmm. um you know and the way the fuel window works with the stages today it kind of is going to break up the stages so there's a lot of uh of things that are going to put uh you know maybe make the crew chiefs have a little bit of a headache by the end of the day just because uh of what they have to do in order to ensure themselves Uh, the track position that they need you know when they want to have it so uh, it's going to be interesting I think you know you're going to have several different agendas throughout the field and it's going to be fun for us to cover it here on MRN because uh, you know we always like when there's guys that are are off sequence and and trying things that are a little bit out of the box so uh, as far as what you see on the track don't really know but I think it's going to be exciting just especially from a strategy standpoint too to, to see what these guys can come up with.
1: Dylan Welcher of the Motor Racing Network joining us here on Fast Track. Dylan, we are uh, officially halfway through the regular season part of this schedule, and uh, wins certainly have, uh, are hard to come by this year in the Cup Series. Only six uh, different drivers, I believe, have won so far this year, including three each for uh, Kyle Busch, Brad Keselowski, and Mark Truex, of course, getting the win last week at Charlotte and the Coke 600. Uh, have there been sir, some surprises for this year? are you maybe are you surprised by the fact that uh, the wins aren't getting shared amongst the drivers all that much this year? Uh, it seems like early in the year you'd always get a lot of different guys winning and then late in the season you'd see the the cream of the crop rise. but it seems like uh, last year and, and now this year, it's only a select handful of drivers that are are being able to t- taste the spoils of victory.
2: Yeah, I think the big surprise for me is just the lack of a, a win from any Stuart Haas car mm-hmm. uh, so far this year, just because obviously when you look at their list of drivers, you think, well, for sure, they, at least one of them would have a victory, and, and none of the four do. So, um, And, and it, again, that's that's certainly not because um, they are struggling, because mm-hmm. they've shown a lot of speed and have been fast, um, mm-hmm. but they just haven't been able to, to find victory lane. so... That's a surprise to me. Uh, I think, you know, Ryan Blaney, when you look at the success of his Team Penske teammates and uh, Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano, uh, Ryan hasn't won a race yet. We've talked on the on our truck this week that this is the place he could do it. Obviously, he's won here before. He's led the most laps of any driver that doesn't have a win this year. So, again, he has shown speed, but um, it's a lot easier to, to show speed and be fast than it is to, obviously, get to the checker flag and, and end up in victory lane. So, um Both of those, the Stuart Haas cars, the lack of their win, and Ryan Blaney, too, who hasn't found Victory Lane yet, Uh, those to me have been the biggest surprises. But um, I think all of them, all five of those cars are, uh, you know, we shouldn't be surprised if even today if they found Victory Lane because they're all right there knocking on the door. Uh, it's just kind of a matter of a couple things falling their
1: way. Yeah, the, uh, Harvick. It just—I'm looking at the standings right now, and it just stands out. It, you look at the top seven guys in that win column, and he's got that goose egg that sticks out. He's the only driver in the top seven up there without a win because all these six drivers that have won so far this season are all right up with Harvick there uh, at the top of the standings. Uh, Dylan, last thing before we let you go, we were talking about uh, IndyCar and in the Indianapolis 500 last weekend, and you happened to spend some time at the Brickyard at the month of during the month of May. Uh, what was like? What was that like for you, and, and what were your thoughts on uh, the race last weekend at the Brickyard?
2: Yeah, it was a great thrill for me. I'm I'm originally from Indianapolis, and uh, so I've grown up, you know, going to the Indy 500. That was, um, you know, that was I used to race myself, still do race every once in a while mm-hmm. uh, in dirt midgets, and and uh, the Indy 500 was always my dream, was always my goal for you know as as is the case for a lot of race car drivers. But um, to get to work the coverage, you know, the last. Uh, you know, the last couple of weeks was, was such a thrill for me and, um, you know, to be part of the inaugural uh, 500 for with NBC and, and all of the coverage that we did on NBC Sports Gold and, and everything that went into uh, the month of May for them. Uh, to be a part of the first one was something that I really valued and appreciated the opportunity to, uh, to do and, and to be a part of that team. So uh, it was a lot of fun for me, you know, not only just to, um, you know, to work that race, but just because of the fact that i've grown up going to that race for yeah. as long as i can remember so uh that was really cool and and the race itself you know again it was one of those races where um i think there were some question marks going in because of how the race was last year um with that new aero package on their side of things and i think um i don't know if anybody could have left that race disappointed because that duel there with rossi and pagino was yep. so exciting in those closing laps and um you know is. is what makes Indy great is just that uh, it always seems to come down to the to the wire there, and um, it was so much fun. And um, the weather there was was crazy too. I still can't believe we got uh, <laughs> got everything in over there. So. Uh, It was a great month and a great way to cap off the month of May with with a fantastic 103rd running of the Indianapolis 500.
1: Yeah, from what I could tell, it looked like Mother Nature was 24 hours late on the rain, and that was a good thing there in Indianapolis last weekend. Hey, Dill, what is uh, up next on your racing schedule? I know you've run, as you said, you run Dirt Midgets. I think you've competed at the Chili Bowl. Uh, What's up next for you racing-wise?
2: Yeah, I'm actually uh, this coming week, I'm I'm set to compete in uh, the first three nights of Indiana Midget Week. It's six races and six nights around the state at at different racetracks, and uh, I'm going to run the first three starting on Tuesday and then uh, race on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and then drive through the night uh, after the race Thursday to Michigan for for more NASCAR stuff with MRN next weekend. So uh, that's coming up, and then I've got uh, a few more kind of throughout the summer and into the fall. So uh, really excited and and thankful, you know, that despite my broadcasting commitments, the schedule still works (laughs) out every once in a while for me to to get back in the seat so looking forward to that on tuesday
1: well very good hopefully uh the weather cooperates today at pocono and you and your mrn cohorts can have a great broadcast and we'll be listening here today on wgr thank you so much for the time dylan thank you dave all right dylan Welch from the motor racing network and again we'll have live flag to flag coverage of today's race uh pre-race coverage coming up at one o'clock this afternoon green flag scheduled to fly at two o'clock and hopefully it does stay Dry there at the Tricky Triangle or, you know, the fog doesn't roll in because that's been a problem there too in the past where a race was uh, fogged out because it just wouldn't go away. So hopefully they get one in today at Pocono. Uh, Of course, next year, don't forget Pocono is doing the the doubleheader thing. They're combining their two cup dates into one weekend next season. And uh, so this is the last year, at least for now, that Pocono has two separate cup weekends uh, on their racing calendar. We get back. Uh, phone lines will be open for you at 803 0550. More to come here on Fast Track on WGR. Hi, this is Denny Hamlin, drive the number 11 FedEx Twitter, and you're listening to WGR Sports Radio 550. Denny Hamlin starting 6 today at Pocono. And again, Green Flag coming up at right at 2 o'clock as the, they've kind of pushed up the start time as much as they could today on short notice. Uh, so Green Flag scheduled for 2 today at Pocono. Again, race will be right here on WGR. Uh, Charlotte last week, the Coke 600, and Martin Truex Jr. with a thrilling four-wide pass on a final restart with about six laps to go. Truex taking the lead, and uh, as he led uh, the majority of the laps on uh, Sunday night, led 116 laps to pick up the win for his third of the year, and uh, not the similar to his uh, domination a couple of years ago in this race where he really turned into a snooze fest. It was a little more interesting than that, but still Truex getting the win. Joey Logano finishing in second last Sunday. Kyle Busch third, Chase Elliott fourth, Ricky Stenhouse rounded out the top five. Chris Buescher, a nice run for him in sixth place. Alex Bowman had his uh, streak of second place finishes snap, but still a top 10 finish for him and Hendrick Motorsports teammates, Jimmy Johnson and William Byron. So all four Hendrick cars in uh, the top 10, and i Oh, now I can't remember the stat I saw. I believe it's been at least like two calendar years since uh, all 400 cars had a a performance like that. Uh, Kevin Harvick rounded out the top 10. Uh, Other notable names in the field, uh, Eric Humbrough, 11th. Corey LaJoy had a good night, finishing in 12th. Ryan Blaney back in 13th. Denny Hamlin finished in 16th. Uh, Daniel Suarez in 18th. Brett Kozlowski back in 19th. Clint Boyer back in 24th. And uh, yeah, that'll about do it. Oh, oh excuse me. Ryan Priest in thirty first. Kyle Larson, uh, of course, crashing out of the race. He finished in thirty third there at the uh, the Coke Six Hundred last Sunday night at Charlotte. Of course, the uh, the conclusion to the uh, Great Motorsports Day last Sunday. And uh, yeah, for for the Coke Six Hundred, I thought it was a, a pretty entertaining race as you can get on a, a mile and a half these days. Uh, it especially one as long as that with four hundred laps. Of course, you know it's not going to be edge your seat. You know, uh, white knuckle excitement throughout the finish. There were, were going to be some stretches there of just guys, you know, running in the green flag laps that could, because it is the longest race of the year, but still better, again, better than the year, race a couple of years ago when Truex just kind of dominated and really, you know, turned it into a, a snooze fest. But a good race and a, a good finish. And obviously on the mile and a half, you know, the restarts help as they, uh, you know, keep the field bunched up, obviously, and, uh, you know, provide most of the excitement with the the restarts there uh, with uh, the mile and a half. But with the package, it even more exciting because the guys do have a tendency to go three and four wide, as we saw, as Truex got the win with the uh, four wide pass. So looking at the points, as I, we said with Dylan Welch, uh, halfway through the regular season, 13 out of uh, the f- 26 here in the regular season are in the books, so Kyle Bush. In the points lead by six over Joey Logano. Of course, they've got wins under their belts, so they're locked in for the postseason, along with Chase Elliott, Brad Keselowski, Martin Truex, and Denny Hamlin. Kevin Harvick, again, winless as we just said in the last segment, but uh, he is tied with Elliott for third in the points with 478, and uh, I don't see him falling out of playoff contention uh, even if he doesn't win here in the regular season. The rest of the Current playoff eligible drivers include Kurt Busch, Ryan Blaney, Alex Bowman, Clint Boyer, Eric Almorola, Daniel Suarez, Jimmy Johnson, William Byron, and Kyle Larson. And uh, he is 16th in the standings. He has a two point advantage on Eric Jones. Uh, Ryan Newman is six back of Larson. Ricky Stenhouse is eight back of Larson. And then you have uh, Menard, 21 back, and uh, Austin Dillon, 27 back. And then after that, it's more than a race worth of points. So really, at this point, and I know I've harped on this point a lot the last couple of weeks, but coming out of the Charlotte uh, Coke 600 race, the playoff picture gets very clear. And right now, if you're not above Austin Dillon in the point settings, I don't think you're going to the postseason unless you score the biggest surprise win some point this summer. So we're down to about you know 21 or so guys that might have a shot to make the playoffs, at least on points. And uh, Larson has got plenty of company with him right now in the standings, including three drivers, less than 10 points behind him. And then you throw in Menard and Dylan and he's got uh, five drivers uh, beneath him in the standings that are within a race worth of points. You know, the most you can get is uh, without the stage points, 40 points in a race. Uh, So along with the bonus points and the playoff points. So, uh, you know, looking at the standings at this point with 13 races to go uh it may be a long summer for some of those drivers especially a guy like eric jones like we talked about last week with jordan bianchi uh someone feeling the pressure uh his hot seat there in joe gibbs racing um even with a, a year to go on his contract uh with a lot of talented drivers in the joe gibbs racing and kyle bush motorsports pip- pipeline behind him most notably christopher bell He's got to be feeling the pressure this year to make the postseason, and he starts uh, the second half of the regular season on the outside looking in, but again, only by two points. And, of course, Jones in a very capable ride of winning with uh, driving for Joe Gibbs Racing. So uh, he will have his opportunities here in the second half of uh, the regular season. And you look at the guys around Larson, uh, Byron, uh, again, uh, the Hendrick Motorsports uh, struggles we've detailed, but again, this seems to be they're turning things around, but Byron uh, still very uh, young in the sport and, and still needs to get some more experience under his belt. He could falter here during the summer and, and fall out. Jimmy Johnson 14th. Uh, no Chad canals this year. Will the 48 team be able to keep it together and can they get back to victory lane uh, sometime this year and then really once you get uh, higher up in the standings, Eric Almirola with 360 points. He's a good Uh, almost 50 points ahead of Larson. So really, uh, the guys from uh, Almirola on up in the standings would really have to just uh, either get hurt or uh, really falter here in the next 13 races to fall out of uh, playoff contention, even points-wise. So uh, really from Johnson in 14th with 324 points and back to Austin Dillon in 21st with 284, that's about a uh, a 60, 50-point gap from 14th back to 21st, and those will be the guys uh, on the bubble, at least, we'll be looking at uh, all summer long. Uh, looking at the uh, the IndyCar standings coming out of yesterday's race at Detroit. We talked about what a big point swing this is and it shows in the standings when you look at the guys on top of the IndyCar standings. Uh, Newgarden leads the points thanks to his win yesterday, his second of the year with 303. He is about 25 up on Pagino, who of course got the double points victory last week at in Indianapolis. He's got 278. Rossi is 8 points back of Pagino for second with 270. And then there's Sato again with the back-to-back third place finishes, but he has 238, so he's nearly uh, 65 points behind Newgarden for the points lead. Dixon rounds out the top five with 211, and then Power, uh, Hunter, Ray, Hinchcliffe, Piggott, and Ray Hall the top ten. Uh, qualifying on hold in Detroit. I think they got at least one or two rounds of qualifying in so far this morning. Uh, this morning at Detroit, but uh, water is an issue, and not because it's raining at Belle Isle, but uh, there all the rain they received yesterday and all the tire barriers seems to be kind of leaking out onto the racetrack. So they've put qualifying on hold. Uh, At least for the last half since we've been on the air, it's been kind of on hold there at Detroit, and they're trying to dry those sections of the track up so the guys wouldn't have to go to uh, wet weather tires, obviously, they can keep the slicks on. So that's put qualifying on hold. Uh, Graham Rahal, however, has uh, via social media alerted everyone that he has had a gearbox failure, and he is going to have to start last today in the uh, second race at Belle Isle as uh, he uh, got a top 10 yesterday, but obviously was involved in that crash uh, in the 500 last weekend. But uh, he will not even uh, be able to continue qualifying, so he will start last today uh, at the race at Belle Isle, a uh, former winner of that event in Detroit. Uh, 803-0551, 550 2550 Your thoughts on uh, IndyCar, NASCAR, anything else going on in the world of motorsports? Again, uh, another classic at the Brickyard last week in the battle between Pagano and Rossi for the win and uh, NASCAR getting ready to do battle today at Pocono. NHRA also in action this weekend there in Chicago uh, for the Route 66 uh, NHRA Nationals. Pro Stock's back in action after a couple of weeks off. Again, they're running a shorter schedule this year on the national event circuit than uh, Funny Car and Top Fuel, but Greg Anderson, number 1 qualifier there in Pro Stock. Mike Salinas, another uh, number 1 qualifier performance for him in Top Fuel, and Robert Height uh, continues his good runs. This is his... Uh, sixth number one qualifying uh, performance in Funny Car this year. Height has been uh, really on his game uh, in the early stages of the NHRA season. Pro Modified uh, appears to be off this week, so don't have to keep track of Mike Janis. Uh, also, I was looking at some of the uh, Sportsman class results, and uh, in uh, Top Sport or Superstock, excuse me, uh, Dan Fletcher of uh, Churchville, New York, that we've had on the program. Unfortunately, he got eliminated. it Looks like in the quarterfinals uh, so far in uh, the super stock category there at Chicago. So he won't be moving on uh, to the semifinals in that class. Uh, Steve Torrance topping the NHRA top fuel point standings after uh, the first nine events of the season. Robert Height has a firm uh, funny car lead by 161 points over J.R. Todd and pro stock again, running the shorter schedule there back in action. And uh, Bo Butner, who has picked up some wins so far this year, he has a large lead over Alex Laughlin there in the uh, pro stock category. Again, 803 550 888 550 550 We were talking to Dylan Welch and, of course, with MRN for NASCAR coverage and works with NBC for their IndyCar coverage and was there at the Brickyard. And uh, pretty good job by NBC last weekend. Uh, Mike Tarico was great. Danica Patrick was pretty good. Dale Jr. was Dale Jr. Uh, Not that it's a bad thing. That's just he's just Dale Jr. He has his own personality. Uh, Overall, I thought the broadcast was pretty good. Uh, The commercials did seem to get a little. Fox-like ridiculous by the end of the afternoon, maybe it's just me, I don't know, but it just seemed like there was a lot of commercial breaks late in the race, luckily all of their, uh, except maybe the few local breaks there are uh, on the NBC broadcast, uh, all of their breaks are split screen, so we didn't miss much action, uh, you still got to follow along during the commercial breaks, but it did seem like uh, there were a lot of commercial breaks maybe late in the race, Um So that got a little annoying, and that's one of the things I like to vent about on social media, but um, uh, I guess that was one of the more uh, aggravating things. But besides that, I I thought NBC did a great job. I love Lee Diffie in the play-by-play role. Um, Paul Tracy's okay, but uh, I think I I love listening to Lee Diffie call a race, so I, I thought he was phenomenal there. But Mike Tirico... As I said, uh, did a good job in the hosting role, and uh, he has become, uh, you know, kind of following in the footsteps, I guess, uh, in Bob Costas' role as kind of the the face of NBC Sports and, and the main anchor of all their big events, like the Indy 500, now that they have that, and the Kentucky Derby, and the Stanley Cup final, and of course, their NFL coverage. Uh, I think Tariko has moved into that role phenomenally. I, I love that he's become like the next, uh, just I don't know, face of. Uh, American sports broadcasting in the same way that Bob Costas was, at least from an NBC standpoint. You know, just those those great. Whenever it's a big event, you see those guys on TV. You know, like a, you know, like a like a, a Joe Buck over on Fox and um, Jim Nance on CBS. Uh, Tarico has become that quite nicely for NBC, and I think he does a great job. But uh, again, the commercials a little too much. But luckily, they did do the the split split screens coverage, so you kind of were able to keep tabs and everything else going on. But uh, the camera angles were good, the overhead shots uh, were great, and uh, you know they really great coverage. Uh, Some of the in car stuff also very good. It seemed like uh, some of the guys were the. Uh, inc- incidents were happening, you know, uh, they had the in-car with Ray Hall. they had the Rossi's in-car uh, when he was gesturing at Servia, and they had a great shot of the fueling issue that uh, Rossi had where you could see uh, the issues there um, with uh, the fueling issues they had at Rossi, and you could see the, the, the fuel pump going into the car there and, and see that they weren't getting any fuel into the car, so I thought all of that turned out great. And, uh, you know, I thought it was a nice job by NBC uh, as a whole. So I'll give them a solid, you know, like B-plus rating, I guess, uh, for their job of their first uh, Indianapolis 500. And Of course, they have uh, all the uh, IndyCar races here uh, starting this year. Usual, traditionally, the last couple of years had been ABC, ESPN had just the, Indy 5, the Indianapolis races, and they ha- always had this Detroit race, some kind of... Deal they had with Roger Penske going way back, but now they're all on uh, NBC and uh, watching the NBC coverage of qualifying here in the studio. And they're continuing to try and dry up uh, some sections of the track there at Detroit um, as they uh, look to get qualifying going. I believe Green Flag this afternoon will be 350 there uh, at Belle Isle for the second IndyCar race. Uh, 803-0551, 888-552-550. We get back, the local racing roundup. Uh, mixed results this weekend. Again, uh, Friday was nice Saturday, not so hot, but one track managed to get a program in and another hoping to get a show in tonight. We'll talk about that when we get back here on fast track on WGR.
0: Let's find out who visited victory lane this weekend. It's time for the local racing roundup on WGR's fast track.
1: All right. We'll start with the, uh, Friday night action at the Ranciville Speedway, the big R and Davey Franek got the win in the Patriots Sprints. The driver out of New Jersey, first time ever to Ranseville, but picked up the win in the Patriots Sprints. Kyle Inman showed up to the Big R and got the sportsman win. Jaren Israel in the Street Stocks' his 50th career win there. Chris Leone in the mini stocks. And uh, David Fingerlow in the novice sportsman there Friday night at the Big R. This Friday night, they've got Crate uh, Late Models joining the program with the, uh, the sportsman off and the modifieds uh, back this Friday night at the Big R. Uh, Friday night drag racing action. Cle- Keith Cleveland picked up the win in top eliminator. Reed Ricketson got the win in top, uh, Mod ET, excuse me. Mason Fix won the Mod ET final that was, uh, postponed from the week before due to curfew. Lucas Salemi got the win in bikes and sleds. And, uh, Keith Winkowski, uh, got the win in, uh, Street ET, uh, Friday night at Lancaster. Um, excuse me, Cody Winkowski got the win there uh, Friday night in Street T at Lancaster and they continue this Friday night with more IHRA drag racing and also they have a practice session for the stock cars coming up this Saturday night. Uh, Saturday night in action was or excuse me, Friday night at the Spencer Speedway the Race of Champions Modified Series and it was great to be back at a pavement track for my first time this season and great to be uh, with the modified community for a great modified race, the tribute to Don Pratt 62 and Patrick Emerling got the win over Eric Beers and teammate Mike Lady. Uh, Emerling was battling with Andy Jankowiak until Jankowiak uh, crashed on a restart, spinning his tires coming out of turn four, and then Emerling held off Eric Beers for the win with Mike Leaney recovering from an opening lap incident, driving back through the field but can only make his way back up to third there. Uh, Tommy Barron won the Superstocks race for the Race of Champions Superstocks. Dave Milbrand Jr. won the four-cylinder race there Friday night at the Spencer Speedway. Saturday night action, very wet. We had that big line of thunderstorms roll through the area. Just about I don't six thirty seven o'clock last night, and uh, Merrittville Speedway uh, unfortunately rained out. Wyoming County Speedway got started, but they also rained out. But Genesee Speedway pressed on. They were they had the advantage of being a little bit farther east, so they probably got a little bit farther in their program than uh, some of the other tracks uh, closer to the lakes. And uh, they had about an hour or so rain delay, but got the show in. Jeremy Wonderling won the race, Rush Late Model Tour feature over Jason Jenko and Braden Dillinger. Uh, John Zimmerman won the street stock feature bill. Weller jr. in the mini stocks and Allison DeWitt picked up the win in the bandits, but, uh, good to see the folks there at Genesee kind of press on, uh, despite the, the rain that came down there, but they were able to get their program in, uh, why, uh, Humberstone speedway s- scheduled to still be in action for tonight. Obviously is if you've looked out your window while well, you've been on the air, it is raining here in the area, but, uh, currently Humberstone still slated to get going tonight at six 30. Um, at least that is the plan for now, and just continue to follow their social media uh, accounts for the latest updates from Humberstones. So, looking forward to being back at Lancaster this Saturday, even for a practice session. Excited for that. And uh, two weeks away, uh, we'll be at the uh, Lake Erie Speedway for the Race of Champions Modified Series, and that is always a fun show, especially this year with the uh, must-see racing sprints, uh, sprint cars on asphalt uh, also uh, on the docket. Um... There this year at the Lake Erie Speedway. So lot lots of great racing, uh, short track racing throughout the country this weekend. I mean, the World of Outlaws, they were at the Nashville Fairgrounds that they put dirt on uh, the smaller oval there at the Nashville Fairgrounds and a historic sh- short track there in Tennessee. Uh, I was watching the NASCAR Modified Tour Race from Seekonk, uh, New Hampshire, last night. Doug Kobe picked up the win there. Uh, the, they had a big sprint car race in Mansfield, Ohio. Uh, the Jucasa, actually, Jucasa Motor Speedway, they're open today as well, too. I forgot to mention that. Uh, they are have the uh, NASCAR Pinty Series. That was supposed to happen last night. It got rained out halfway through the show, and they're going to try and make up that feature this afternoon if you want to take a, a make the trip to uh, Nell's Corners, Ontario, I believe that's a 130 start, but with the weather, I'm not sure what the latest is up there at you cost. I would check with them if you uh, wanted to head out there, but uh, just lots of great uh, short track racing throughout the country this weekend, a- including right here in our own Western New York and Southern Ontario backyard, but a, a lot of great stuff going on uh, as we finally you know, get through May now into June and, and hit the summer months and lots of a great summer of local racing to come your way. Uh, last thought here before we uh, say goodbye on this Sunday morning, Uh, Richard Petty and Bubba Wallace were in uh, St. Louis last night for the Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final and uh, had to tweet that out in, in one of my little, I don't know, my... Twitter shtick, I guess you could say. Whenever there is like a hockey racing uh, moment, whether there's like an NHL player at an, uh, a racing event or a motorsports driver at an NHL game, usually it's like a NASCAR IndyCar driver promoting some event in a market, I always have to do the hashtag hockey racing crossover. Uh, it's just my, I don't know, something I do on Twitter whenever I see that. And uh, we got another edition of hockey racing crossover with uh, Bubba Wallace and Richard Petty uh, at the uh, Stanley Cup final game last night. Uh, of course, the Stanley Cup was at the Brickyard <laughs> during, uh, the leading up to the Indy 500. Did a, a pace lap in the two seater with Mario Andretti. But uh, again, if you f- just check out my Twitter account at Fast Track 550 and just search the hashtag hockey racing crossover, you can uh, just find some fun stuff that I whenever I see some kind of uh, event where there's, like I said, a Nat, like Kurt Bush at the Vegas Golden Knights game or something like that, I always have to tweet it out just as a. Uh, an ongoing joke of mine. So hope you enjoy that. Uh, Thank you for listening. We'll be back next Sunday at 11 a.m. with uh, Father's Day next Sunday, right? No, we're two weeks away from Father's Day. so uh, But uh, NASCAR and uh, IndyCar will recap their weekends and lots of hopefully local racing results to talk about next weekend, too. We'll talk to you next Sunday here on Fast Track.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what?